Welcome. Jeff Moffat, originally from Detroit, Michigan, served in the Signal Corps of the U.S. Army, met his wife, who also enlisted into the United States Army's Signal Corps. His wife retired as a warrant officer. At his last assignment, Jeff was stationed at Fort Gordon, Georgia where he served as an instructor at Fort Gordon's non-commissioned officer academy. Jeff Moffat is a telecommunications flash network professional with over 30 years of experience both in the military and civilian sectors. He obtained his Master's of Science degree in management from Southern Wesleyan University and can be found at the church he currently pastors, Asana Missionary Baptist Church, which is a historic church in Augusta, Georgia. Jeff Moffitt. I was born in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I was migrated through my parents to Detroit, Michigan uh, when I was 10 months old. And it was in Detroit that I joined the military. And that's a funny story because I really wanted to go to Michigan State to become an accountant. And the recruiters, of course, came through our, our high school, the ASVAB. Uh, they started soliciting my mother. Next thing I know, my mom went on lunch with Staff Sergeant. Oh, I did not call his name, but I do remember him and his white and blue cobra. Uh, he took my mom to lunch. She didn't bring back food for the five of us children. But next thing I knew, she had tied me away to the army. So in 1977, I went to Fort Dix, New Jersey for basic training, then to Fort Lee for training, the 76 Delta, which was a material supply specialist. And then when I reenlisted, I went into communications. And the reason that I 
joined, not only because my mother signed me up, but was because I wanted to go to college and my counselors weren't helping me uh, to do that. And they promised me the GI Bill, which would pay for four years of college. And um, I went into communications for 17 years. I was a satellite um, engineer, as well as I retired as a frequency manager um, and that's what I did in the military. So did you spend time at Fort Gordon? I actually did, Tiffany. I came to Fort Gordon in 1990, the second time, because the first time I came through to change my MOS to go through the uh, 26 Quebec course. And then 1990, I came back. I was assigned to the NCO Academy and I became an instructor went to ANOC and I was selected to go to frequency management school and I became a frequency manager and I stayed until I retired. Fort Gordon was, uh, it was, it's, it's been wonderful. It took a little bit to get used to when I first got here, having grew up in Detroit, Michigan and, uh, you know, the, the party scene and everything that's, that's offered and opened up on Saturdays and weekends getting here. And I believe when I got here in 90, it was a dry, uh, dry county. Not that I drink, but on Saturdays, there wasn't anything open. Like even now, things close about 12 on, on Saturdays. And so you had to do what you're going to do during the week. So once I got used to that, uh, this is now home. I've been here since 1990. We've traveled uh, to various assignments uh, be- before we retired traveled with my wife because she's also uh, was all active duty military. That is one of the things that I've enjoyed about being in the military is the ability to travel from place to place, living in different places I never otherwise would have gone to. You said that your wife served in the military as well. What did she do? Were y'all married before y'all served? How did that pan out? So I met my wife for the first time, really interesting story, in the mid-80s. I was in New Jersey, uh, Fort Monmouth, New Jersey. Um, so we knew each other. We knew of each other. Then we, uh, the Army did a crazy thing, Tiffany. Uh, we have these Jack and Jill um, bathrooms in the NCO uh, Academy dorms. And so they moved me next to her. So we shared a bathroom and that's how we met. She came over wanting to know who was leaving this toilet seat up. Uh, And she was nice and cordial. And immediately I found out after the fact, after she talked to me, she uh, had went to, uh, to the operations to fuss and to demand that they move me. However, they never moved me. So we started attending. Both of us were selected to be instructors for the academy. She was a 74 Fox, which is also my secondary, uh, which is uh, computer programming. And so we attended instructor school and training, ITC, and then the uh, small group leader training. And there was another course that we all, we attended together. And so we became very good friends and uh, it just went from there. And then 92, we actually got married. It was very interesting. Um, for two reasons. The first reason is that uh, my wife was an E6. We both were E6 when we uh, when we met. I I made E7, 
and she went warned. And because she had less years than I did, we had a discussion that if she was going to retire, because I really wanted her after my son was born to uh, to get out and 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 be a uh, a mother at home. Uh, but she decided that she wanted to have a career. And so we had a discussion if that's what she was going to do, that she would either go to OCS or go to warrant. So she went warrant. And uh, so now she was the uh, higher ranking of the family and following her and becoming at points uh, in our relationship and in our marriage, becoming a geographical bachelor was challenging because after my son was born, she was stationed at Fort Stewart at the time. I was still living here in Fort Gordon and she would come home on the weekends. And so when her maternity leave was uh, over with, I became a geographical bachelor. She came home on the weekends to see um, see myself and, and our children. And then she would go back to Fort Stewart. And then when she was deployed, of course, it was me and, and the children. So that was very interesting. I got to be a Mr. A Mr. Mom, Dad. And um, it was a little challenging for our, for our children uh, because, you know, children like moms, they normally say moms are the nur- nourishing uh, uh, spouse. And so I had to learn how to do both of those. So it was very challenging. But it's interesting also following her uh, and supporting her in um, all of her deployment. For those who are listening who may not know about the geo bachelor thing, can you explain what what being a geo bachelor is and what that was like for you? Absolutely, Tiffany. Being a geographical bachelor means that you're married, but your spouse is deployed to a different geographical location than your station. So typically, that will happen on what uh, on a, on a single or non-accompanied tour. I got to remember that stuff to me. A non-accompanied tour means your spouse can't go with you. And that's usually a year or two years. And so the spouse then becomes a geographical bachelor, um, either male or female, because if you have children, then you become both parents while your spouse is deployed. If you don't have children, then you're married, but you're single for, for that time frame that they are deployed, sacrificing and serving that we can enjoy the freedoms that we enjoy as United States citizens. Absolutely. And that's a piece that I think a lot of people don't look at who are, who are not in the military, especially when both people are serving. I mean, even if both aren't, but but even more so when a person is married to another service member and and Uncle Sam says, hey, I need you to go to this location for both people to leave at the same time or even go to the same place can be difficult and cause some strain on that relationship, especially when kids are involved. Absolutely. We'll be right back. This is where it's at. Hi, I'm D.A. Michaels. I'm the author of Courageously Broken. I was, uh, I'm a military a veteran. I am from North Carolina. I joined the Navy because I am from a very long line of Navy. My 
grandfather was a World War II uh, Navy veteran, as was his 17 brothers. I, uh, my father was in the Navy. My uncle was in the Navy as a diver during the uh, space era. So uh, yeah, it was pretty much in my mind, the only branch of service there was. So that's where I went. I am the first female in my family to have gone in the military. And I have since uh, left active duty in 1993 and have spent the last 20 years in law enforcement. And I wrote a book about overcoming adversity and uh, conquering the battle scars of life, which is entitled, like I said before, Courageously Broken. inspiring journey because so many people have reached out to me and told me what my book has meant to them, not only as either a veteran or a first responder, but or of someone who loves a veteran or a founder, because it's allowed them to get a peek through the eyes of, of, of one, because many of us go home and we don't want to tell our families about our day or, or what we've been through. We, we want to forget it. And that's normal to do that, but it's also um, not healthy. We need to talk to somebody. And we often want to protect the people we love from our traumas so we don't tell them. And that's okay, but we need to tell somebody. Or a lot of us like are drawn to our own kind. We prefer to tell each other because we know we understand each other. Very therapeutic. My journal turned into a book. The reviews have been amazing and humbling, like I said, and I am donating 10% of my proceeds from Courageously Broken, the sale of the book, as well as the apparel that's coming out soon and some merchandise. And I'm donating it to a nonprofit organization called Good Canine Academy in uh, Itasca, Texas, which is just outside of Fort Worth. There's a woman out there by the name of Linda Conrad, who is uh, an incredible dog trainer. She trains law enforcement dogs. She trains, um, she's one of the few in the country that are certified to train cancer sniffing dogs where they can catch cancer early on. And she also trains, customized and trains dogs uh, for PTSD for veterans and first responders. Mental health topics and issues are taboo. So if the topic is taboo, asking for help is even worse. You were talking about some difficulties you had, the courage that it took to ask for help. Can you talk more about that? What did it take for you to be able to ask for help? And how did you get that courage to make that phone call? I would love to. It's called Born to Inspire. Can you imagine a child so impatient? He couldn't wait for nine months of gestation. Entering the world before his time, scarlet fever, the price of his crime. Doctors, nurses, hospital staff, the extended family on his 
behalf. From kindergarten to birth, one memory in mind, hospital, shots, milk, Christmas is all he can find. Ridiculed, bullied, abused, and abandoned, ninth grade never completed, yet there's a master's on his mantle. Army, the path to a better education, he never expected the crossroad of molestation. God and church, the drugs of his choice, witchcraft and marriage, abused, divorced, love and lies, happiness denied, cancer, surprise, yet he's alive. Nine to five, laid off, goodbye, too proud to quit, men don't cry. Off to the war, the answers came. Support his family, God's word proclaim. DNA in the shadow, cancer at the door. Not again, God, haven't we been here before? Life in the balance. How much can one take? Desires to escape, held up by the weight of the responsibilities on his plate. Now, for those that may be thinking, Pastor Jeff, you're just singing to the choir. Well, the purpose of my life is to inspire. This is Pastor Jeff, and I inspire others to move from the space of a victim to the place of a victor. To all of the listeners today, I want to know if you're ready to move from being a victim to being a victor. Wow. That's amazing. I love that. Thank you, Tiffany. Do it again. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's amazing. Wow. I, I, I really believe that when we move from our space of being a victim and we make a conscious decision to no longer feed the venom of victimhood that we once felt, that then we vindicate the victor that we were born to be. And it's in that moment that we take back our power and begin to live in the abundance of life, Tiffany. To the person who has experienced any type of sexual assault, domestic violence, struggling with PTSD from whether it be from war or something else, for the person that's struggling with a mental health issue or marriage issues or just whatever the case may be, what would you tell that person? Tiffany, there's a few things that I would say. The first is that it's not your fault um, because that's one of the first symptoms is that uh, those who, those of us who have experienced sexual trauma or abuse, and I've, I've been in both situations, uh, and, and PTSD, again, whether it be from the war or whether it be from, from some other type of, of traumatic trauma, is that it's not our fault. You know? And we are bigger than our circumstances. And we don't have to do this alone. And so it is very vital and it's very important that one, that we recognize that it's not our fault, recognize that it did indeed happen. And also recognize that we do need help and that there's plenty of help out there. And then once we get that help, that we realize again, as I said earlier, 
is that our voice is our path to our victory. And to know that we're not the only ones. Oftentimes, you know, when we go through something that's traumatic, our brains will tell us that nobody else knows how we feel. Nobody else has been through what we've been through. And, and that's just stinking thinking. It's just an outright lie. Uh, and so once we realize that and realize that there are others who have survived the, a similar experience, because I don't want to take anything away from the fact that the experience that you had and the experience that I had are our very real realities. Those are our experiences and nobody. But nobody knows exactly how we feel. But it's not about having someone that knows exactly how you feel. It's about someone who's gone through a similar situation and has become victorious over it that can give us the support that we need to also become victors rather than staying victims. And I hope that helps. I would love to. It's called Born to Inspire. Can you imagine a child so impatient? He couldn't wait for nine months of gestation. Entering the world before his time, scarlet fever, the price of his crime. Doctors, nurses, hospital staff, the extended family on his behalf. From kindergarten to birth, one memory in mind, hospital, shots, milk, Christmas, is all he can find. Ridiculed, bullied, abused, and abandoned. Ninth grade never completed, yet there's a master's on his mantle. Army, the path to a better education. He never expected the crossroad of molestation. God and church the drugs of his choice, witchcraft and marriage, abuse, divorced, love and lies, happiness denied, cancer, surprise, yet he's alive. Nine to five, laid off, goodbye, too proud to quit, men don't cry. Off to the war, the answers came, support his family, God's word proclaim. DNA in the shadow, cancer at the door. Not again, God. Haven't we been here before? Life in the balance. How much can one take? Desires to escape, held up by the weight of the responsibilities on his plate. Now for those that may be thinking, Pastor Jeff, you're just singing to the choir. Well, the purpose of my life is to inspire. This is Pastor Jeff, and I inspire others to move from the space of a victim to the place of a victor. To all of the listeners today, I want to know if you're ready to move from being a victim to being a victor. Thank you. Have a nice day. Thank you for joining in on this conversation at the Medal of Honor podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please let me know by rating and reviewing it. Your input is helpful in improving future episodes. There are many more great stories from our military service members, veterans, and family members. Please subscribe to the Medal of Honor podcast and share these great stories with your family, friends, and connections on social media platforms. Subscribe now. Thank you, and have a nice day. Thank you.